Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, good evening. How are you doing? Uh, your host, Jeff Lloyd, here. Um, guys, a little bit of a switch up here. You know, normally we get the uh, PFF night with John Costco out a little bit earlier. Um, but obviously some things went on yesterday, uh, so we kind of had to go that route. Uh, you heard the uh, episode with Pete Smith, uh, you know, that where we covered our thoughts on the Hugh Jackson. We were able to get Ben Axelrod to come on and obviously, you know, get the media perspective and the feeling around the building as, you know, everything kind of just went from a quiet morning and nobody thought maybe they were going to do it. And not only did they do it, went ahead and decided to move on from Todd Haley as well. From what I've, from what and who I've talked to is, you know, uh, John Dorsey was adamant that it was time to move on from Hugh Jackson, and when he sat with Jimmy Haslam and they were okay with that decision, uh, John Dorsey, you know, look, you know, I, I don't like the way what Todd's been doing. I, I don't know if I can totally trust uh, trust Todd. And Jimmy Haslam said, "Well, if you can't trust him, what are we doing here with him?" And that's how we ended up to the eventual uh, releasing of both of them from their duties. And Freddie Kitchens, now your new offensive coordinator. Obviously, you know, uh, Greg Williams, your head coach for the time being, guys, um, in that respect. So we're going to get into this. But, John, obviously a, a crazy day. And, uh, I mean, we're going to get to the grades here, which, you know, it, it, it's not like we're going to talking about, you know, if grades-wise we wanted to compare it to a report card. Nobody's going to Stanford. But, obviously, a crazy, you know, 24 to 36 hours with this team, John. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a long time coming, I guess, for Hugh Jackson. I completely understand from a, the ownership standpoint of why giving him a, a third year um, to see if he can improve with a, uh, you know, a quote-unquote much improved roster. But when you look at it, the past two years, if you go 1-31, in 31, it's you have to win immediately and have none of that dysfunction that went on in the building. And um, clearly it was there. It was uh, not a move that he wanted to make with Todd Haley. and uh, It just wasn't wasn't meant to be obviously and uh you know you, if you look at i mean the past two years so like it's that team obviously was not a playoff team like nobody's going to be fooling themselves but they were better than one in 31 they had you know eight, they had four wins in the first year they had four wins in the second year and you got one win and it happened to be because of a blocked field goal uh you know <laughs> so i mean somebody really, no, nobody told him the drill <laughs> yeah right so like this is this whole notion that like you know he ha- should have a clean slate for his first two years. It's just not true because um, I mean, but you look at our grading that we've had since 2006. That was a team that, based on our grading and how well the you know the team around uh, the quarterback played, and just even the court with the quarterback playing the first year. Obviously, Kaiser was one of the worst that we've we've graded in all of uh, our PFF time, but um, still like some of the worst quarterbacks eke out games you know look at like Blake Bortles as a rookie he won three games you know and that he was awful he was incredibly bad he was just as bad as Kaiser so um when you're not able to continue not able to win games and you lose all these close games games that you're in it and then you have the dysfunction on top of it it's just time you know it's time for it is and obviously what that product was on the field on uh, Sunday was obviously just a manifestation of what was going on in that uh organization yeah, I, I mean, and, you know, having people who were there in the building, you know, the last couple, uh, obviously the last couple of weeks, but it started with the Chargers game, and it was a mass exodus from the players. They kind of just grabbed their crap, and they headed on out, where there was a Miles Garrett, real peppers, and there was the forever constant line of, oh, I didn't know about that. Oh, we're going to have to check the film on that. 
And I believe it was Zach Jackson who asked him, you know, in, in the presser on Sunday, um, you weren't going to be able to score at the end of the half, so why didn't you call some timeouts to maybe get the defense right, get them a little rested, you know, get them lined up a little bit better? I don't really remember that part. And it was just, there's just so many of them over the course of 40 games, so many of these times where you just said, oh, oh do that, and then this, and, and it was just, it had to be done. And I think it got to the point where it was affecting the young nucleus, which everyone, I don't believe there's anybody who does not believe there is a strong nucleus of talent within that building that could lead to better days. And it's to the point now where, and look, you know, we talked about this with every draft draft prospect now. These guys are smarter. You can't just give them the old coach speak of, you know, I tell you to do this, you do it. And now it was to the point where, they, you know, whether they were mocking him or things of that nature, I'm sure it was going on. But you just can't have it in a professional atmosphere. And the plug literally had to be pulled, you know, like you're starting a mower. And God, thank God they did do it because it was just time and it was over. It just 100% needed to happen. Uh, we're going to get in here to the grades a little bit, John. Uh, John, offensive line, now it's, look, there was a, st- early on it wasn't so great. Then there was a nice stretch where, hey, it's not too bad. But now here we are, and look, when Baker Mayfield is the second to lowest graded offensive performer, you got to realize that some of that's coming from he's not able to do what he needs to do. Look, Joel Batonio, Kevin Zeitler, week in, week out, they seem to be pretty predominant graders. But, uh, you know, Treader, even if you want to maybe say, oh, well, he's out there dinged up, I mean, maybe, I mean, you're not going to give him a pass because if you're good enough to suit up, you should be able to do your job. But there's issues here on this offensive line, and it's just not getting any better. And there's a lot of teams coming in who are bringing a bevy of pass rushers with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, just look at how often he was under pressure in that game. Um, he, he had, you know, 17 of his 40 dropbacks where he was under pressure. So he's almost under pressure on 50% of the time. And, you know, basically the breaking point for a quarterback in a game is, is 40%. So. When you're under pressure that often, um, you're essentially not going – I mean, you have to be playing at an extremely high level to be able to rise above it. And it's and in our – you know, based on the, our, our data that we just had over the, you know, 11 years of PFF, um, it's just not – A, it's not sustainable to be able to perform under pressure. And when you do get above that 40% clip, the quarterback play, like, just under pressure alone, you, your passer rating drops by about 30 points. But when you're constantly under it at a 40% plus clip, um, you, you're you're losing games. So you're essentially even Tom Brady loses um, more than 50% of his games when he's under pressure 40% of the time or more. So um, it doesn't matter who you are; you have to be able to protect, to protect the quarterback. Obviously, the tackles are are you know having issues there. Uh, Hubbard is not as bad as as it all seems to be, because a lot of it is pressure from Harrison's side, and then Baker's flushed to Hubbard's side, and so basically he's running into the sack or the, to the pressure that's that the guy that Hubbard's blocking. So it, it's a, you know, you have to put in somebody there that can solidify that backside, because the most important position on that offensive line is the left tackle position, and Harrison is right now just, he's he's facing, like, doesn't it doesn't even matter if he's facing really good pressure, uh, Pass rushers, which edge guys, they don't have that in Pittsburgh. I mean, Bud Dupree's not an elite or even an upper, you know, above average pass rusher. But when you have faced a team like Pittsburgh who schemes it up better than anybody, 
it's gonna you're gonna struggle with that. And obviously he struggled in this game. He's been struggling for a couple weeks now. It doesn't matter if it's against you know elite guys or just you know step below that. He needs help over there, and I think he's somebody that you can, you need to pull out, sit somebody, you know, put somebody back out there, move move Batoni to the left tackle, whatever it is. It's that needs to get short up. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Joel is, look, I mean, if you were okay with it within the preseason doing the job, and then all of a sudden you're like, no, we'll just go ahead and start the undrafted, you know, free agent rookie. Part of the reason why you were okay with putting him at left tackle was is you spent a premium pick at 33 overall on a left guard. And now here we are, and look, Harrison could still have a future here. I mean, look, maybe finds his way into a starter role. If not, maybe you have an athletic swing tackle. That's fine. But you have a guy in Austin Corbett who has not played basically at all through eight weeks that you spent the number 33 overall pick on. So so the, the rationale there is that it's okay to play Desmond Harrison and live with every mistake he makes as an undrafted free agent, but Austin Corbett just doesn't even get a shot. It, it doesn't make any sense, uh, you know, organizationally, and you know, obviously, you know, for all the emphasis we put on the draft and capital and what it means, you know, either a they what they saw at Corbett they didn't like, but you didn't see anything from Harrison in the preseason to say, okay, well, he's really earned it, so. It's just monotonous at this point, and let the 33 overall pick get some run. So we realize: is it one less need, or is this guy part of what's going to be, you know, hopefully a really successful season in 2019? Yeah, um, I liked what they were doing in preseason with moving Batonia to left tackle and having the rookie play at left guard because he got better so, every week in the preseason. Uh, yeah, and he's somebody that. At left guard, you can protect a lot easier. The, mo- the least valuable position in on the offensive line is the left guard spot, and you've got one of your best players at that spot in Joel Batonio. You look at the uh, pass blocking grades for guards. Number one in the NFL, Kevin Zeitler, ninety three point zero. Number three in the NFL, Joel Batonio, eighty nine point seven. Joel Batonio hasn't given up a sack. He's given up seven hurries all year long. Obviously, giving up uh, pressure from the interiors happens less frequently than from the uh on the outside but you've got you got Desmond Harrison who's given up given up the most pressures in the NFL of any offensive tackle he so, said most most guys most yes, yes. <laughs> number one in the NFL most and part of that obviously is because they they pass it a lot but still he's given up uh two sacks three hits 27 hurries he's been beaten a number of other times he's he has 11 penalties on the season 11. That's insane. It's been played eight games, so he's over way over his head. I, I mean, this guy that clearly has you know the raw talent, but you don't throw a guy out there into the fire like that with the raw talent. You develop him and get him ready for game action and on you know on the sidelines or in the bench and in practice, whatever it is. I, you can protect Corbett if you if you're if you're nervous about putting Corbett out there that he's going to get beat. Uh, really, how how bad can it really get? If, you know, compared to what Desmond Harrison's doing out of left tackle, if you can, if you give up pressure from the left guard position, you can protect that. Left tackle is not a lot, not as easy. You can see a lot of times those edge pressures coming out from the from the edge where it's unblocked because Harrison either is blowing an assignment or just not aware of, of you know situationally aware of what's going on and the, what the protection is. So. 
it's just you put your best guy or you know out there that's Petonio you put their next best guy whatever if you're if you're if you're incredibly bad incredibly bad if you're a wreck a train wreck at left tackle and everywhere else in the offensive line is solid to good or do you want to be a train wreck at left guard and then solid to good everywhere else i mean it's it's a no brainer you have to protect that left that blind side left tackle position it's it the data bears it out it's even even coaches go oh you have to protect the blind side you have to have that left tackle there yeah, put the put the guy there that knows what he's doing in Joel Batonio, who's done it. I mean, he hasn't done it in, in regular season stamps, but he's yeah, obviously he's a veteran in the NFL. Put him out there. He's very good at pass protecting. That'll help. Well, and the other thing is, you know, with his college background and the guys who I know measure, you know, all the athletic testing, he portrayed that he could be a left tackle in the NFL. Obviously, there was no spot for him to play left tackle when he first came to Cleveland. But look, put him out there for eight games. And the worst thing that can happen is you may have found a guy that you can play left tackle for a couple of years until maybe his athleticism decreases. If you can say that, you know what, after eight games we saw Joe Botonio, maybe we don't need to address it early, able to elevate another need. And there are some needs here, interior defensive line, another cornerback, uh, you're going to need a wide receiver. If you do not have to worry about your left tackle position, Look, audition all of these guys. Find who out. Find who is going to be the left tackle of the future. Give Joel a shot. Look, you're, he's not going to lose his gig. He's not going to get moved out of Cleveland. If it's just that he's a really, really good left guard, that's fine. But and for Joel, it's a challenge. And hey, if you're going to be the left tackle now, your agent goes in and says, hey, uh, can we talk a little more money here? Because if I'm going to play the premium position, I want to get paid the premium. So it just seems the easiest move to make right now. And I'm not saying you got to banish Desmond Harrison. If you want to let him work some in at right tackle and figure something out there too, that's fine. But the key position needs to be addressed a little bit better. And that's, you know, everybody, they're worried about Baker's Mayfield's development because of wide receivers. It's not on the skill guys, guys. It's on the offensive line. Guys, one of the advertisers of the show here, Swap.com. It's crazy what we play for brand new clothes at retail prices. Why do we buy? And John's got two kids. I got two kids. They always need something, John. Forever they need something. Every few months. But here's the problem. They continuously to grow. Uh, If you buy a hooded sweatshirt in August, all right, we're ready for school. Come November, guess what? They come out and the thing is up to the mid forearms and it's just no good. Wouldn't it be great if there was a place to discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes? Guys, there is. It's swap.com the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. Uh, Stop driving to the mall. Stop driving to the outlet shops. Uh, Easily sift through millions of clothes in seconds on Swap.com with easy-to-use filters to find just what you need. Over 14 million tons of textiles are wasted each year. Shopping secondhand at Swap.com helps you prevent textile waste, which improves the environment and saves us all a bunch of money. Swap.com, like I said, is the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. With Swap.com, you can save up to 90% off of retail prices on your favorite brands, whether it's Carter's, Nike, J. Crew, Gap, etc., etc. Quality, hand-inspected items are added daily. If something doesn't fit, it's an easy return policy as long as you do within 30 days. Special offer for our listeners. Get 35% off selected items for your first order with the promo code, all caps, locked on. Guys, uh, plus find new deals every day on swap.com, swap.com's homepage. 
John, now we're going to go over to a defensively, and one of the biggest issues we've had here is that this defensive line is getting run into the ground. And I kind of understand it a little bit from Greg Williams' standpoint of is I need to do everything I do I can to keep this score close, but in the same respect, it's not doing a great disservice to the defensive line. Uh, now you look at the grades. Brian Price, Anthony Zetto, two of your highest graded performers this week. Is it maybe now time where, look, Greg has got to differentiate, you know, break away from the defensive coordinator mode and realize what is the better part of the team and its future and say, look, okay, it's great that Brian Price got 14 reps and Anthony Zetto got nine. Can we get these guys closer to 20 reps so I'm not worried about a Miles Garrett in the offseason and hopefully he's working instead of rehabbing? Same for Larry Ogunjobi. Same for Emmanuel Ogba. Same for Jannard Avery. And we got to start mixing in some depth here. And if these guys, look, you're not going to judge them on three to four snaps like a Chad Thomas. But once you get to the point where it's 10, 12, 13, 14, you can kind of get a view that maybe these guys deserve a little bit bigger piece of the pie because they're kind of doing it, although on a small sample size. Yeah, and Zettel has experience. I mean, he had seven or some tech sacks last year for the Detroit Lions as a starter. So this is a guy that, that clearly has some ability and would, you know, not be a, a, a sieve. So uh, put him out there. You got to put Chris Smith out there more. Uh, Brian Price out there more. Just get them to rotate with with got Miles Garrett. Even if you're putting Miles Garrett out there on a on a first down when you you know or or a second down when you know that they're going to be running it and you can just give them a breather and Garrett's been a very good run defender this year but the more important part of his game is obviously as a pass rusher you want to have him fresh for the pass rush down so doing that to rotate those guys in would only help the the team and our defensive line long term because those guys are you know Garrett and Avery especially are extremely explosive off the edge um, and they. You know, you want to get have them be effective the passer uh, and not worrying so much about the run um, and then getting worn down on that. So, yeah, just hopefully what Greg's role is now, he can take a step back, realize that, hey, I need to, I'm, you know, I'm not like, you know, coaching for my, my life now. I, I have an opportunity here to put together a product that's going to be, you know, you know, for my future job, you know, another coaching job, whatever it is. Um so yeah, I mean, I think I think that is hopefully he sees that that way, but we'll see. I mean, he definitely needs to uh, give give those guys some more rest. And that's just you know, what you got to do. And look, I can understand that with this team. Obviously, if you're coming off a of one in thirty-one, you don't have the teeth of a roster. I get it. And look, and you know, maybe this roster is forty guys strong, or you know, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, and you got 12, 13 guys you need to add to it. There's guys here who are to play these positions. You got to get them out there. And even if it's a, you know, if it's a tag team system, Miles, you're sitting for two plays. All right, go back in. Get, you know, get Emmanuel Ogbo out. Okay, Larry Ogunjobi, you're next. Go take a two-play breather. You've got to do it because it's not about 2018 anymore. It's about 2019. I understood it when it was about, hey, there could be something here at two, two, and one. It's not about that now. And you know what you have in a lot of these guys. So don't gas them to the point where you end up where somebody might get hurt, a la Joe Schobert, things of that nature. Do the best you can to make sure that everything, when you go into OTAs in this thing, 
There's nobody watching. There's nobody on a bike. Everybody is part of that process. Guys, mybookie.com. Uh, ask for advice. I can't give you that stuff. What I can give you is who you're betting with is almost as important as who you're betting on. That's why I always suggest to you guys, mybookie.com. They've been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is simple, clean, and easy to use. I would only recommend a site to my listeners that has been good to me in the past. I don't bet often, but if I do, guys, as you know, I use mybookie.com. They have in-game, live betting, over-under on fantasy points, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Mybookie.com is currently slammed with prospective new members. So if you go ahead... And up until, I guess it'll be Monday, if you go ahead and create a new account after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, they will give you a free $25 just for doing that. This goes along with the same MyBookie.com deal of they will match your initial deposit 100%. $100, they give you $100. Do it after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, $225. You're getting $125 of house money, guys. It's e- you really can't go wrong with that. Uh, use the promo code with this. It's a new one, guys. Capital L, capital O, locked on 25. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M Y B O O K I E dot com. You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, now, John, one of the other things I want to hit on it seems like they kind of are flip flopping back and forth with their secondary. Demarius Randall, you know, maybe the Mike Evans matchup they thought he was good for. Back to free safety. Uh, you know, uh, Bodie Calhoun uh, went to slide cornerback. Um, you know, hopefully we can get an EJ Gaines back in this mix here soon. Uh, but the secondary, it was a tough week against Pittsburgh, and it's not really the best week to have a tough week because you literally have, I don't know if you want to call it the circus, the carnival, the amusement park, however you want to describe this Kansas City Chiefs offense, they're coming to town Sunday, and my go- my God, John, they are a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, they they really are. I mean, just let's talk a little bit a second for how that offense operates. It's it, obviously Andy Reid is is a offensive mastermind. Um, you know, you can make all the jokes you want about like some of his game management, clock management gaffes that he's had, but he more than makes up for that with his ability to scheme it up. And you know, he's he's really uh, you know been innovative in, in what he brings to the table. He's brought in a lot of what Patrick Mahomes was good at in college and implemented that for him. Um, a lot of the uh, the RPO, the spread, uh, the one read type stuff. It's lots of guys schemed open. It doesn't matter if it's against stone or man. Um, you know, you have to be able to have the horses to stop these guys uh, because Tyree kills, you know, obviously probably the most explosive player in the NFL. Uh, and then you just got Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, both really good players. Obviously, Kareem Hunt, who's a, who's a stud as a running back, a uh, guy that I've really loved coming out. So um, it's it's, and then you have an offensive line that's pretty solid as well. I mean, you can get you can Miles should be able to get his uh, against Eric Fisher, but Mitchell Schwartz on on the right tackle spot, he gave up his first sack this past weekend to Von Miller in his career to Von Miller, and then it was his first time he given up a sack since week three of last year. So, I mean, wow. he just doesn't give up anything. Uh, clearly the best right tackle in the NFL. So. And his brother <laughs> will tell you every word about it. Yeah, yeah, he will. But, I mean, <laughs> he's not wrong. So, uh, you know, you have, at that left side of that offensive line is where you can beat them because Cam Irving and Eric Fisher both obviously not good players and 
uh, you know, Eric Fisher is, is vastly overpaid as a left tackle, former number one overall pick, but he gives up, you know, he gives up a lot of pressure. Not as not as bad as what um, you know Desmond Harrison has done. And I, I need to correct myself. I said Desmond Harrison had given up the most. It's the second most. He's given up second most to Julian Davenport of Houston. So I want to make sure I got that right. But um, as for the secondary of the Browns, I mean they're really really going to you know Greg Williams is going to have to dial up a an excellent game plan, something that he did, was able to do against the, the Saints this year, where essentially just he threw the kitchen sink at him and just conf- confused Drew Brees of all people. So if he can do, you know, give Patrick Mahomes a lot of different looks and make him just second guess what he's looking at, um, that's where they'll have a, a shot. Because I think you know Denzel Ward is, is obviously he's, he's in the running for Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's playing that good, um, and then the second, you know, with with uh, Demarius Randall at the back end, I mean it's a, it's a, still a really good secondary. You know we had put out our secondary rankings, uh, coverage rankings, a, a couple weeks ago, and Browns were at ninth. Uh, they did, you know, so nice in terms of grades, that's pretty good. You know, a, a vast improvement from last year. And so we'll see if if that can continue, especially with like what has happened with the uh, in you know the, the past couple of days in Berea, but. Um, it's just it. I, they're not going to stop them, but can you can you neutralize them enough? You know, you look at what the Broncos have been able to do in both games. It's just because they have they have the horses to be able to stick with them. Uh, Chris Harris is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. They got you know Brad, Bradley Roby is a really solid cornerback as well. Uh, uh, Justin Simmons is a free safety for them is really solid. So they they have the the talent to be able to and hold up with them and they bury their looks and they, they have a good game plan against them. So uh, Greg Williams can do it. Um, you just have to, you know, you have to just game plan it up right. No, I 100% agree there. And I think what they need is they need the offense to kind of be a good friend here. And look, they have to run the ball and they have to run the ball well and they have to play ball control. Because if if you do not control time of possessions against the Kansas City Chiefs, you, you better sit back in and, and hold on tight because they're going to drop forty on you like it's nobody's business. Even if you win time of possession, they still might drop forty on you like it's nobody's business. So it's tough with that. John, as we go through this last eight games, what do you think is the most important part, whether it's a positional group, offensively, defensively, that they need to focus on? As far as you know, getting this team where it needs to be when this calendar turns to 2019, and that's it. it, it the you know, there's going to be some sort of coach is going to come in here, and most likely he's going to be a solid guy. But what do they need to do where they walk in and they start going to OTAs and things like this, and it, there's no more excuses, and it is you know, like these goals are legit. Yeah, it, the, first and foremost, it has to do with the development of Baker Mayfield. And that's because everything is made or break by, you know, it's made or broken by, by him and the court, your quarterback. You know, obviously when you take a guy number one overall, he's your franchise guy and he's that for at least five years. You look, even look at James Winston, he's going to get another shot in Tampa Bay. He was just benched this past weekend for, because of how bad he's been playing. But Dirk, you know, Dirk Cutter is probably going to get fired from there after the season unless they have something miraculous happen like Fitz Magic for an entire season. But I, that's probably not going to happen. And so they're going to be in the, co- the coaching search. And so because he was a number one overall pick, he's probably going to get another shot. 
with the new coach unless that coach comes in there and has full control and, and decides they want to take another shot at a different quarterback. But that's the thing is like he wasn't he wasn't quite I guess you know he I, I was never a huge James Winston fan. I'm a huge Baker Mayfield fan even before he was a, you know became a Browns you know quarterback. But you have to everything you do has to be focused on making sure that the right environment is, is around him, the the you're developing him properly, you're not just doing things just to, for quick fixes and, and you know instant gratification. Making sure that the right processes are in place for him to continue to grow, like what he needs to do on a week to week basis, day to day basis of of becoming an NFL quarterback. How, you know, this past weekend, was there th- what were the things he could have done differently to check out of looks what was he seeing wrong about you know he was checking into this protection and the you know the pressure came from the backside or the guy he was looking at where he thinking he was dropped if blitzing he dropped and didn't know where to go with his, his hot read so you know what those are the things that the coaches now in there freddie kitchens and ken zampezi those are the they need to develop him they need to take anything uh, you know they are they're, they're coaching for their next probably jobs so how they're able to handle these next eight games is basically, all right, can we get Baker Mayfield to continue to grow? We're not looking for a leap this year. We're just looking for gradual progress. And from what he was showing early in the year versus, you know, obviously that, that one game, if he can show what he was showing early in the year and to continue to grow from that better at the line of scrimmage with audibles and checking into protections, that's what you want to see. And, and it's all about him. I mean, obviously developing all these players is important, but that's the most important thing. Well, and the other thing is, is you, you know, you need to be a little bit smarter with some things because you know, there were free rushers in the Pittsburgh game. It just absolutely come and n- n- nobody chipping. Look, maybe you don't need to go five. You don't need to go five wide every play because look, it's great and it's fun because you know Baker can you know find the open guy. But if they're just going to blitz the living daylights out of you and you have open seams and open gaps that are just going to be exploited. You know, it, it sounds like a fun theory, but you can't have this guy taking this many hits. And, you know, I mean, he finished the game on Sunday. You know, you were a little concerned about it, but, you know, he was taking his hits. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor got, you know, got up and got loose towards the end of the game. And, look, that's the guy Baker is. He is not going to not finish what he started. But, you know, be a little smarter with this. And, look, if you think there might be a free blitzer, make sure somebody chips him or, you know, a little help for who is ever at left tackle or right tackle. Make sure, you know, you're getting something there to assist them just so, you know, at least Baker can get to the point where he can get to his spot. And if the guy's open, he can at least release it. Um, but, guys, this has been your PFF, uh, you know, uh, PFF Cleveland edition here. We, I love doing these shows with John once a week because, you know, I'm starting to integrate more and more into the, you know, how they do things over at PFF. And, John, actually, this is one that actually somebody asked me, and I'll just slip it in real quick. When you sit down, start to finish, give me an average, and this is what he want to know, an average on how it finishes up for player grades. Why? How many hours? Um, so like it, there's multiple different people that are working a game. Of and course. It's about, That's so why like, we always get that highlight where the grades are not available yet. Yeah, so so <laughs> there's, there's a first-run process, and then there's a review process. And in the past, we would have the first-run process I mean, we have the first run process done within uh, 30 minutes of the game finishing um, because we have two people doing the grading, one person's doing one side, 
of the offense, you know, the, you know, the Cleveland offense versus the Pittsburgh defense, and you have another grader doing Pittsburgh offense versus the Cleveland defense. And then you've got the, the player participation analysts. There's four of those making sure that, you know, one guy for each, you know, side of it. Um, and you've got base data, and then you got review process, like the reviews of, of those. But then you have the next day we get the all 22, and we're, we're reviewing that. So that's why it doesn't – we don't have the grades come out right away because we want to make sure that they're they're as accurate they're, as they're going to be. They don't, in the past, they would change after after a review process because we'd put them out right away. Obviously, that would get a lot of heat because there would be changes. Like there could be a change of one play that would change a grade from a, a sixty to an eighty because of because of how it, it just it's just how it you know there could have been a misentry of an error. So like you accidentally put in a minus one instead of a plus one for it because it's a you know, it's a drop-down tab or whatever, and that can screw with the grade. And so when you have it, something like that happens, then we get, you know, get the flack for it. So we have a review process that goes on. So if you look at it, it's like about 40 man hours that go into one game, basically. So, yeah, long, long answer for you, but 40 hours. Wow. Craziness, craziness. Um, John, always a pleasure. There's, uh, there's, there's, there's one thing I do want to, I want to say that they need to start doing a lot more. Okay. And it's rolling Baker Mayfield out of the pocket. They, I don't know if they. I don't know if they trust it though. That's the problem. So, so they try. They try it. Like so they, they had one sack in the. What was the first game? Uh, where he did, it was a Jets game when he he did like a play action rollout, and he got sacked because they read it or whatever. It, I mean, the guy was right in his face and he, he got sacked. And then like they just don't try it ever. And the thing is, like it's just not in Todd Haley's. He, he rarely play called play action and rollouts with Ben Roethlisberger, so he just doesn't do it. And so he's done it four times this year. Ty, Tyrod did it six times, and it's just ridiculous that like just, just I mean, you you look at what the Rams, the Chiefs do. Those guys are comp, they're they're rolling out, they're out of the pocket. They do utilize play action a ton. It helps. It just helps. It neutralizes the defense. It gets the defense moving laterally as opposed to coming directly at you. Look at, I mean, so let's just take a look at the top three guys, in the, four guys, let's go with four, in the NFL of, of play action or boots, getting that rolling out of the pocket. Kurt Cousins, DeFilippo guy that obviously the Browns are, you know, Browns fans are very interested in, 35 dropbacks of rolling out of the pocket. Jared Goff, 32. Patrick Mahomes, 32. Mitch Trubisky, 30. Top four guys in the NFL. Obviously, two of those are the Andy Reid variety yeah, Sean McVay, DeFilippo, all innovative coaches that are obviously putting their guys, you know, their quarterbacks into really good positions, really good stats this year. So I'm just saying, I mean, those guys know what they're doing, but if you can get get him out of the pocket, utilizing a lot more play action, it'll help just to neutralize that pass rush and just, you know, get him further back in the pocket and just slow things down for him enough so you don't from shotgun a lot more too. And what you've seen though, and you've seen when Baker, you know, it's not so much because they're not rolling him out a lot, but when he has to break the pocket and he goes to the right, and you saw with the long completion of Landry, the long completion of Ratley, he's got that hand motion where he gets out there, you know, he can see what they're not seeing behind him, and he can motion guys to spots. It makes a lot of sense to it, and hopefully these are things that Kinchins can do, uh, you know, and this is what, you know, we can get for a little bit more development. And look, Baker is, is the ultimate competitor. And as much as you would love to stay in the pocket all day long, you've got to win from every possible spot. 
So, John, it's always been a pleasure. I'm sorry, it's always a pleasure. It's fun having you on. Guys, follow John Costco. Uh, follow the PFF Cleveland account. They do a bunch of great work over there. These, And like John told you, these guys put in some serious effort. So anybody wants to poo-poo on these grades, if you want to sit down for 40 hours and put in that time and watch these plays, don't critique them otherwise, guys. The Locked On Browns uh, Twitter account, guys, go ahead and follow that. We always keep it followed back. It works back and forth. You guys give me great information, a lot of stuff that eventually ends up into show ideas and or guests. Go ahead and follow me, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, as far as you know, where we're headed for this week, look, it's going to be a tough week. Obviously, there's a lot going on here. It's a very <laughs> tough opponent. It's a very tough game. So we'll see how it all plays out here. Uh, tomorrow, I will have the uh, crossover edition with you with the Locked On uh, Chiefs guys, uh, BJ Kissel who covers the Chiefs, works for the Chiefs. He's going to come on for the pregame tailgate edition. One of my favorite guys, and BJ is like a true product of the NFL writer and Twitter and social media system who's gotten himself to an absolutely beautiful gig. So I'm really looking forward to sitting out with BJ uh, for Thursday night show, and I'll be the last one of the week. Uh, guys, it's been a monster month here for the show, and I do appreciate every single one of you for that. iTunes reviews, ratings, those are all important and as tough as the last 10 days have been for me personally it's fantastic the reception and as much as you guys are loving the show and everything that's going through it i appreciate that until the next time guys uh let's go browns lgb on the lob